exciting things today. We've got some guests that um, I, I've been excited to, to have here. Um, some of you, yeah, some of you remember all the way back on Elk Street, we've, we've had our guests Rod and, and Jennifer Carlson with us before. And um, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but if, if you've been around on the long arc, um, we started, we started our, our, our kind of arc in the book of James uh, last year, in uh, last fall, actually. And I started teaching in the book of James. I was um, three or four messages in. And then um, what happened is I went on a sabbatical for four months and, and God has been speaking to us this message of, of a comeback king and, and a, a, a resurrecting king that is resurrecting us. And then I just felt like, man, the, the book of James, I love it so much. And I, I felt like we, we got to come back and finish that series. So we just jumped into it again. I r- ran into uh, Rod. He called me up. We had coffee um, just right kind of on the, the time the whole sabbatical thing was happening. I had had a conversation. And, um, and then he's in the area now. And I thought, man, what perfect timing um, to, to just hear the book of James afresh in a very fresh way this morning. I'm really excited for you to meet them. But first, I want to introduce you to Jennifer. Would you come up and would you welcome them this morning? Thanks, Pastor. No, he just kind of trips over the tables. So, no, we are delighted to be back with you. It was 2004 the last time that we were with Destiny, so it's been a few years. Um, If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want to ask you to leave them closed. Uh, (laughs) Isn't that terrible? Heresy, no. The the reason for that is that um, we will be sharing out of the book of James Rodwell. I'm going to share a psalm with you, but it's out of the New Living Translation, the first edition. And if you've got something different than that, Since God gave you a good brain, you're going to be making comparisons all the way through. If you happen to have that particular translation, you're going to be checking up to see if he can make it. And neither of those things are your job this morning. What we really want you to do is just to lay any kind of critical, critiquing spirit aside and listen to what Jesus wants to say to you through his word. So when you are listening to God's word word for word, you have a really good chance of hearing his voice. And that's where we want to be today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God, even with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When their breathing stops, they return to the earth, and in a moment, all of their plans come to an end. But happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the one who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He is the one who keeps every promise forever, who gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts the burdens of those bent beneath their load of shame. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord will protect the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. O Zion, your God is king in every generation. Praise the Lord. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting him. For he will rescue you from every trap. He will protect you from the fatal plague. He will shield you with his wings. He will shelter you with his feathers. His word, his faithful promises are 
your armor and protection. You will not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, this evil will not touch you. But you'll see it with your eyes. You'll see the reward of the wicked. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your dwelling, for he orders his angels to guard you in all your ways. They will hold you with their hands. Sometimes it's like this. To prevent you from striking your foot against a stone. You will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents beneath your feet. The Lord says, I will deliver the one who loves me. I will protect those who trust in my name. They will call on me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with long life and give them my salvation. Good stuff, huh? I appreciated the theme this morning of uh, all of the music about God is with us. You know, he doesn't live here. He lives in you. So whenever you walk through the door, Jesus comes in with you. There, there's, I grew up in a church that um, we tended to learn how to do things from other people. And, and one of the things that is it's kind of a, one of those things that goes every once in a while. Um, so many of, of, the, of the invocations of the presence of God are something like, Lord, would you come and be with us today? Sorry, he's already here. He beat you to the, to the chair. Um, no, actually, he arrived in your chair at the same time you did. So, and it, it harkens me back to hearing Chuck Swindoll once, uh, one, uh, one time, challenge the church in Fullerton. Here's 3,000 people. And he said, what I want you to do for the next week is pray differently than you usually do. Don't pray the same way. That's right. You know? My, my father had two um, uh, blessings over the dinner. Uh, one was for every day and the other one was for company. <laughs> and it was identical both times. Now my dad was kind of a quiet guy. He was more a, let me stand in the, in the shadows over there and, and hep out. But we didn't say hep in... British Columbia, we said help, um, because we needed it. I, I take after my mom. I'm, she was not a quiet individual. So this morning, let me challenge you to maybe pray differently if you've got these patterns that we learn. You know, I learned so many of the patterns of prayer from somebody else in the church that I thought, boy, they can pray really good. And so I adopt these phrases and we continue to do it. And that was, I hate to say it, 70 years ago for me. And so I've, I've kind of, and let me just, I've been stretched to do this too, but let me, let me stretch you a little bit to express your worship, your praise, your thanksgiving, your petitions, your prayer. Talk to to Jesus like he's really close. Like he's close. He's not someone that we have to ask to come and be with us. Because no matter, he's kind of like you. Wherever you go, there you are. And wherever you go, guess what? You take the Holy Spirit with you everywhere you go. 
there's nowhere you go that if you are in Christ that the Holy Spirit doesn't go into that same place with you. So let, let's shine different and maybe brighter. Maybe we polish off, you know, polish up our our expressions to 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 God in prayer, and and maybe that makes them sparkle a little bit. I don't know. Am I sparkling now? But I, I appreciated that. That was that that whole thing of He is with us. The the tail end of Ephesians chapter one says um, that God fills every place with His presence. I mean, Satan might be the prince of the power of the air, but he doesn't own this place. Amen. And 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 the Spirit of God broods over this place. Even in, in the midst of, of the work of the enemy. And that's where these, it's almost like if we could just see beyond our little realm here and realize that our access to grace is so close whenever it's needed. Yes. They'll reach through the veil and take some. Well, okay, um, I guess I'll share James now. <clears throat> Last thought, when God pokes you, try to remember what it is. And when I'm finished, I'll ask you whether it was from Jenny, the two Psalms that she shared, or the book of James. We'll just share some things. Is that a deal? No participation, huh? Okay. <laughs> a deal? <laughs> you can share. And, and, and we learn from each other in this way. We do. And something that somebody says over here might trigger a thought. Yes, that's right. It hit. This is what hit me over here. So we'll do that when we're finished. So this letter is from James. A slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's written to to, um, Jewish Christians scattered among the nations. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. So that when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. He'll he'll gladly tell you. But when you ask him, make sure you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything they do. Now, Christians who are are poor should be glad for God has honored them. And those who are rich should be glad for God has humbled them. They will fade away like a... How do they fade away like? This worked really well in the last four times I've done it. Yesterday and today. They will fade away like a flower in the field. The hot sun rises and dries up the grass. The the flower fades and its beauty fades away. So also wealthy people will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And and remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God's tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he doesn't tempt anyone else either. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. And these evil desires bring forth evil acts and these Acts bring forth death. So please do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above, who created every light of heaven. 
Unlike them, he never changes or casts shifting shadow. See, in his goodness, he chose to make us his own people by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his choice possession. Brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. So get rid of all of the, the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts for it's strong enough to save your souls. And remember, it's a message to obey, not just listen to. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. For if you just listen but don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror and then doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, you forget what you look like. (laughs) But if you keep on looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and you do what it says, and you do not forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. Now, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. See, true and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must help orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. Now, brothers and sisters, how can you you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people more than others? Well, suppose you, someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in shabby clothes. Well, if you give a special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but say to the poor one, oh, yeah, you can stand over there. Oh, sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show you're being guided by wrong motives? Listen, brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor of of this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom God has promised to those who love him? And yet, you insult the poor man. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is It is. Good when you truly obey our Lord's royal command found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you pay special attention to the rich, you're committing a sin for you're guilty of breaking that law. And the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's law. For the same God who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you murder someone, you have broken the entire law, even if you don't commit adultery. So, whenever you speak, or whatever you do, remember you will be judged by the law of love, the the law that set you free. For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. But if you have been merciful, God's mercy will overrule his judgment against you. Now what's the use, brothers and sisters, of saying you have faith when you don't prove it by your actions? See, that kind of faith can't save anyone. Well, suppose someone comes, you see someone on the street, uh, a brother or sister, and they're in need of food and clothing and You say, well, goodbye, God bless you, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food. What good is that? So you see, it's not enough just to have faith. Faith that does not show itself with good works and good deeds is no faith at all. It's dead and useless. Now, some people may say, some people have faith. (laughs) Others have good deeds. 
But I say I can't see your faith if you don't have good deeds. But I'll show you my faith through my good deeds. Do you still think it's enough to believe there's one God? Well, even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Oh, fool, when will you realize that faith that does not result in good deeds is, is useless? Now, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was declared right with God when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, he was willing to trust God so much he would do anything that God told him to do. His faith was made complete by what he did, his actions. And so what happened, just as the, the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example of this. She was made right with God by what she did when she hid those messengers and then sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without a spirit, so faith is dead without good deeds. Now, brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church because we who teach will be judged by, by God with greater strictness. We all make many mistakes. But those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. We can make a, a large horse, a horse, horse, horse turn and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn and go wherever the pilot wants, even though the winds are strong. So also the tongue is a small thing. But what enormous damage it can do. Oh, a, a, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction because it's set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an uncontrollable evil, full of deadly poison. Well, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and then sometimes it breaks into curses against those who've been made in the image of God, and so both blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a, a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Can you pick figs, or rather olives from a fig tree? Or figs from a grapevine? grapevine? Of course not. And you cannot draw fresh water from a salty pool. Now if you are wise and understand God's ways, live a life of just steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, you'll be truly wise. But if you are bitterly jealous and have selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag about being wise. It's the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfish ambition are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual and motivated by the devil. And wherever you find jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and it's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will sow seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. 
Now what is causing all of the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? See, you want what you don't have and so you scheme and kill to get it. You're, you're jealous for what others have and you can't possess it. And so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet, the reason you don't get what you want is because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask him for it, you don't receive it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Oh, adulterers. <laughs> Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If your aim is to enjoy this world, you cannot be a friend of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the, the Holy Spirit whom God has placed within us jealously longs for us to be faithful? He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God sets, him, God sets his face against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw close to God. God will draw close to you. Oh, wash your hands, you hypocrites. Purify your hearts, you sinners. Let there be tears for the wrong things you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will lift you up and give you honor. Now don't speak evil against each other, brothers and sisters. If you criticize each other and and, and complain about each other. You are actually criticizing and complaining about the law, but you're not a judge who can decide whether the law is right or wrong. Your job is to obey it. God alone has the power who made the law to rightfully judge among us. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So, what right do you have to condemn your neighbor? Look here, you people who say, ah, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town. We'll stay there a year. We'll do business and make a profit. Well, how do you know what's going to happen to your life tomorrow? For your, your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you will be boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. Now listen, uh, you wealthy people, weep and groan in anguish because of the many Terrible troubles ahead of you. Your, your wealth is rotting away. Your final clothes have become moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver has become worthless. This, this very wealth you're counting on will eat your flesh like fire. This treasure you've accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers wh whom you've cheated of their pay. The cries of the reapers have reached the ear of the Lord Almighty. Oh, you have lived your life on earth in luxury, satisfying your every whim, and now your hearts are nice and fat. 
ready for the slaughter. You have condemned and even killed good people who had no power to defend themselves against you. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the, the rains and the fall and the spring. They, they eagerly wait for the precious harvest to ripen. So also you, brothers and sisters, must be patient. And have courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or the Lord will judge you. For look, the great judge is coming. He, he's standing at the door. Now, for examples of patience under suffering, brothers and sisters, look to the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who Endure patiently. Job is an example of a, a man who patiently endured. From his experience, we can see that the Lord's plan for Job finally ended well. For he is full of tenderness and mercy. Now above all, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned for it. Now are any among you suffering? They should continue praying about it. And anyone who has reason to be thankful should continually sing praises to God. Now are any among you sick? Well, they should call for the elders of the church to come and pray for them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer, offered in faith, will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Pray for each other. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You know, the, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Well, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he earnestly prayed that no rain should fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed for rain and down it poured. The grass turned green and the crops began to grow again. Brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back again, you can be sure that the one who brings that person back will save that sinner from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Let's pray. Stops kind of quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Father, it's your word. You have purposed by your word to work in this place before we ever got here. So Father, may those hearts in this room be soft to your word today. To be tenderized, to be receptive to the to the good seed of your word that would ultimately grow into a harvest of righteousness. If there's anybody here today that has never intentionally stopped and said, I need a savior. I need, I need God to rescue me through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm gonna do it today. If you've never done that before, and today is your day. Today's your day to get right with God. Would you raise your hand? We ask this everywhere. We're not, we're not taking a swing at you. We're just, well, that's great. Oh, yes, yes, dear. 
Just, just close your eyes and join with me, would you? We just need to, we just need to have a little talk. That's all. We just need to, you just need to spend some time talking to Jesus here. And, and why don't you just, just pray and, and, and put in your words what, it, what needs to be said. And that is this. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I need someone to rescue me. <laughs> Forgive my sins. Wash me clean. Both of those are your promises. And adopt me into your family. And then what's left is, thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's have a party. <laughs> That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Praise the Lord. Oh. Every time that happens, we, it reminds us why we do this, Sean, you know. So, praise Jesus. You know, about 60 seconds ago, there was somebody that was outside the kingdom of God, and now they are in the kingdom of God. Is that not true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Name, hun. What is your name? Cindy. Welcome to the family, Cindy. Okay. Okay, now remember what I, I mentioned earlier? What poked you? What, what, what did God go, this is for you to pay attention? Yes, brother. number one thing I think the enemy does is it heaps shame on people about things that are already under the blood. Amen. And we buy into it. That's right. no, no. Have, you, have you come to Christ? You're away from that now. You, you, I mean, you're done. It's not some big dramatic thing. It's just that when you, when you ask Christ into your life, he took all of your sins, past, present, future. He took all your sins and threw them away so far and so fast that he can't even remember where they are. I know the feeling you're going through. My goodness. Do you find that the devil has a tendency to know exactly which button to push in your life? He's got the whole keyboard in front of him. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not welcome here. My daddy is bigger than your daddy. Poof. What does it say? What do we just resist the devil and he will what? Flee. Say it again. Flee. What are you going to do now? Well, that was not quite as enthusiastic as the first one, but, <laughs> but you get the point. How many of you have ever felt distracted from, from kingdom purpose? Okay, okay, yeah. There's quite a few honest people here today. <laughs> There's a song that Larnell Harris sang, actually a long time ago. Shows how old I am. It's called, I miss my time with you. I miss my time with you, those moments together. I wanna be with you each day and it hurts me when you say you're too busy, too busy trying to serve me. For how can you serve me when your spirit is empty? There's a longing in my heart that wants more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. I told the church last week in Belfouche, I'm the king of distractions. Anybody in here that's, you know, you go to the garage to get one little tool and then you see something else and it's there and, and then that one, you get that one, but that reminds me. That, and about an hour later, you walk back in and say, what on earth was I gonna do? I have a tendency to, you, you go to Google. You're on your computer, you go to Google. 
And they give you, you know, you notice how they give you options to look at? And the idea, oh, well, that's interesting. And then by the time I'm done, I'm going, what was I coming to Google for? So I'm not the only one. <laughs> okay, something else. What did God poke you with? Sorry. I promise not to preach a sermon with each comment. Yes. Healing. I'm always reminded of this when we do James. And if it's okay with you, could we just pray for people for for physical healing uh, after? Now, interestingly, in that part, it says, is anyone among you suffering? They should keep on praying about it. Now, what's this about? And those who have reason to be thankful should continually sing praises to God. Then comes, any among you sick? They should call for the elders of their church. There must be a difference between there where he, he, he kind of gets the separation between suffering and illness and, and physical need. So if you're suffering, don't get discouraged because God's on your side. Last time I checked. Have you ever heard the Chris Tomlin song, Is He Worthy? Oh, oh, oh. And a murmur ran through the crowd. Yes. That's a wonderful, wonderful song. Came across it purely by accident. But we'll pray for this. We'll pray for the sick when we wrap up. Jen. Stand and, and, and turn. They can, I, I was just looking for the microphone, but oh, is it okay? Oh, thank you. And if any of you have reason to praise, they should continually sing praises. That covers both of the other sides too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're suffering, that doesn't mean you don't have something to thank God about. If you're need healing, you still have something to thank God about. And that's our major line of defense. Not even defense, that's our major line of offense. When, when you're suffering, when you need healing, look around and start praising. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people, and it will send the devil running. True, true, true. Someone else, that's good. Yes, yes, back here. Pastor Bill Hybels once was quoted as saying, I have never met an unhappy Christian who is serving someone in some way. Sometimes we get stewing in our own juices and we don't even walk out our front door. But bake some cookies and take it to somebody and make their day. You know, just, just be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you, something we really need to remember so often. And then he said, therefore I, a pri- Paul says, I, I, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And then says, here's how he says to do it. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love for each other. Some things we probably ought to read Ephesians more, you know. But anybody else? If not, we'll turn a corner here. Brother. Ah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
That's a great point. So speak to each other in hymns and sims, hymns and psalms, and singing spiritual songs to the Lord. Yeah, hymns and sims. You'll remember that for a long time now. Someone else? Yes. Yes. It can be. <laughs> hmm. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. I, <laughs> I, had a, I had a pastor in Illinois once say, uh, after we'd been at, I'd been at this little group of pastors, and he pastored like the United It was, it, was, it was a mainline denomination, but it wasn't out here. It was back east. Do you know there are about 1,800 denominations? Was that United Reformed? Okay, I'll, it'll be United Reformed. That was in England, yeah. No, but this is a, he came up to me afterward and he says, I, I really like the way you weighted your words. And I'm trying to think, weighted my words, you know, that I paused. He says, no, no, that you, you, you emphasize things. And the next thing he said was, we pastors need to learn how to read scripture from the pulpit because the way we read it is boring. Yeah. And I thought that was the first time I'd, I'd been confronted with that. And it was quite early in our time of travel, um, about 2004, 2005. And it really is true. Now, um, can we kind of turn a corner here because we want to challenge you. <laughs> we want to challenge you to start memorizing. No, nobody said, where's the door? <laughs> and uh, forgive me, name, David, David. Okay. David brings up the point. Memorization can be very hard. And I, I realize that not everybody memorizes at the same pace. See? Yeah. Jenny and I, for about 14 or 15, 14 years, I guess, were just memorizing just, you know, that verse. And then tomorrow night, I'd try the next verse. And then the next morning, I'd wake up to see if it was still there. And sometimes it was. And, but then each time we added something, we'd go back to the top and recite through it. Which sounds really mechanical, doesn't it? It sounds boring and academic. But what you don't realize is that that very quickly becomes meditating on the Word of God. And you're refilling. It's like you're reloading and you're coming down through to wherever you, you are memorizing. And so that's what we would do is we would go back and and refresh again down to where we had just finished memorizing. But about five years ago, five or six years ago, we were heading for Helena, Montana, about seven weeks ahead. And the pastor there, Jeff and Colleen, you know, he said, yes, we want you to come. I said, Jeff, what do you want us to do? He said, Galatians. I said, nice try, Jeff. Uh, we don't have Galatians memorized. What else would you like to hear? Galatians. <laughs> and so we said, okay, we'll do our best. We'll do our best. He said, I'll help. If you'll do chapters one through three, I'll do chapter four in the next seven weeks, and then Jenny can do five and six. We said, okay, I memorized chapter four anyway. And so we, about a week before, I'd say, hey, Jeff, how's that memorization going? He says, terrible. I said, what's the matter? He says, that new living translation you use just makes way too much sense. Well, he's a pastor, and every time he gets to something that goes boom, he writes a sermon. And so he just, he was always getting knocked off the rails. So, but here's what we did. We had heard some years before about this thing of um, read through something 21 times, and it'll be yours, you know, and We've heard, some of us have heard that ilk. But that wasn't what, what came our way. It was read through it once a day out loud. Mm -hmm. Read through it once a day out loud 
for 30 days. Okay? See, it's just read it. Not even trying to memorize yet. Just read it through once a day out loud, just like you would be, you would be reviewing your, you know, uh, your memorization for a part. You, you do it out loud. You don't do it in your head. So do it out loud. And, uh, and then after the month, begin assembling it. You will have already memorized much of the phraseology in there. Some of it, depending on which book you choose or chapter you choose. Yeah, yeah we're going after you for a chapter. I just thought I'd let you know going in. You will have already, after 30 days, memorized a lot of the phraseology in that chapter. Then it's just a matter of assembling it and making sure everything's in the, same, in the right place so that you can just speak that aloud. Another couple of weeks, two, three weeks, you're going to have a whole chapter that is memorized and no one can ever take away from you. Now, because we're after you for not just a chapter ultimate, but ultimately we hope you, you, you get bit by this bug. And you continue to go. So try the first chapter in a, whatever book you pick. Then, if, you know, when you go, ooh, I like this, you can just keep on going. See? And as soon as you finish Jeremiah, you can move on to Isaiah. <laughs> yeah. So, pick a chapter. Go find a chapter. You would be amazed at how many people pick Psalm 119. 176 verses. But they are convenient. The whole thing is conveniently divided into eight verse segments. How convenient of Jerome who divided it up there. Oh, you know, and David and all those who contributed. So go find a chapter and for the next 30 days, if you want to start in September 1st and just so you can remember what day is coming and it's got 30 days in it. And just, <coughs> pardon me, read it out loud once a day for 30 days. <coughs> and then begin to put it together. By the end of October, you'll have a chapter that no one can ever take away from you. And a lot of us, especially of the, the uh, white-haired persuasion, sometimes think we are uh, not excluded, but it, it's kind of, that's for the younger ones. But it's, it's a misnomer. My mother, I did, uh, we went to my home church in British Columbia and did the book of Ephesians one Sunday evening, and afterward I was talking to my mom in the kitchen, and she was making a little, a little Sunday evening petit déjeuner of, you know, yummy things like cottage cheese and peaches, things. We're open for tacos, nachos. They, don't, they didn't have nachos in Canada for the longest time, as long as I lived there. They didn't know what a burrito was or... They would serve chimichangas as burritos sometimes, and sometimes the enchiladas came with cream cheese on flour tortillas. But anyway, where was I? <laughs> Something about memorizing. <laughs> okay, and she said, Rodney, um, my mind doesn't work that way anymore. Let me, in on, let, let me let you in on, a, on, a, on just a little hint. Don't correct your mother at 84. So what are you going to say? What are you going to tell your mother? I said, that's okay, Mom. But about five months later, we would talk, usually each week or every couple of weeks, and spend some time on the phone. And, and about five months later, she said, Oh, Rod, I, I, I want to let you know that I've memorized Ephesians chapter 1, one through, through 8. And she recited it there on the phone, so I knew she hadn't scuttled off to get her Bible. So she, she recited it there. And every time we talked, she'd get a little more. By the end of the year, she had memorized Ephesians chapter 1 in King James. She went on to memorize several more Psalms. She's now with the Lord. But she was 84 when she started. So the brains work way past 80. Boy, am I glad for that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm approaching it soon, or somebody said, from which direction? You know, um, 
or I just, I just can't get the thought of 80. Why? What happened to you way back then? Oh, okay. So, any takers? Would you like to have a chapter of Scripture that is yours? No one can take it away from you. And have the Word of God open up to you in a way that you've never seen before. Now, one of the things, you know, you read through Scripture, like you say, and you kind of hear your own voice in your head. But when you... When it gets in here and you're just reciting it, you're not reading it. See, we read uh, silently. We read and put no inflection in what we're reading. We don't. But when it's hidden in your heart and you start reviewing it and just going through it as you drive to work or, or you're going for a walk, whatever, you'll find that the word of God in your mouth is changing because it's changing here. It's affecting things here. And you will find yourself, as Jenny describes it, you will find yourself preaching to you. Preaching to yourself. When we go through our scripture in preparation for doing a presentation, we seldom get through unscathed without being prodded, poked, reminded, as I was last night. So expect that the word of God is going to be more than words on the page or words in the brain. It's not just data we're cramming in here. And this is not a hard drive that's going to break. It is life for your soul. There are people who have literally lost the ability to speak. And, and a friend would come in and they've done some memory. The, the person suffering from that ailment has memorized the word in the past and they'll the visitor will start quoting scripture and the person who cannot speak will, will share the word of, of God. And when the word of God, that, that portion is finished, they can no longer speak. It doesn't go into your brain. It goes into your spirit, folks. It is food for your soul. Yes, but. Yep. Wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, there. Yes. True. Yep. Yes. Garrett, the Garretts, um, I forget their first name, from, from New Zealand, they recorded all sorts of scripture songs. The thing that drove me nuts was none of them rhymed at all. You know, I'm a rhymer, you know. Uh, but exactly. We, we tend to follow one of three different patterns. We, we, we follow an auditory pattern, visual pattern, or what's called kinesthetic. 
Kinesthetic is for you guys, don't give me a manual on how to run this D8 cat. Just give me the keys in another 10 minutes and it'll be rolling along. You see, it's on the job training. So that's why you know all about why you have to do stuff where you work. Because many times, well, they'll give you a manual. And you say, you want to have a successful time in our company? Memorize this manual. Boy, we, we find out what's in there. We memorize what we deem to be important to us. So we're just challenging to notch God's word a little farther up your personal line of priorities. So, okay, here you have your chance right now. Uh, this is the auction sale now, you ready? Um, a chapter, and how often are we gonna read it? Once a day for, and how are you going to read it? It is really important that you do it out loud. They've discovered that when you do that on a, on a protracted timetable and you do it aloud, it really helps to take things out of a short-term memory and move it into long-term memory. Now, it doesn't mean that you can memorize this, you know, you can lick this chapter and then you just set it on the shelf for two, three, four months. I can guarantee you it won't be there. But the Word of God is not intended to be set on a shelf. It's intended to be, uh, I was going to say regurgitated, but that's not quite the right word. Um, it, it's to, we're we're kind of to bathe in it and soak in it. And so that is just do it daily. Do it whenever you get a chance. And what happens then is what you know, what God brings out of those words as you speak them will change. We're just telling you stuff that's happened to us. Now, music, wonderful medium for, for memorization. But there sometimes are songs that take a little bit of a verse and then they center on that and they forget this other part of the verse. So you, you see my point about making sure that what you're memorizing is the Word of God. Don't memorize a paraphrase. A paraphrase is a copy of Scripture that has been translated or been rephrased by one person. So our suggestion is don't use Philip's translation back in the 50s, uh, the Living Bible, the Message, even the, <laughs> the Passion Translation is a paraphrase. It's marketed as a, a translation, but it is a paraphrase. Perhaps scholarly individual, one person. One of the things I've noticed about some of these new, new, new translations, it's like they want to take all the mystery out of discovering the heart of God at once. You know, some of them are fully one and a, it's fully 50% more text than, the, than like the King James or NIV or New American Standard. So, so just be cautious. Get a, a, memorize from a committee translation. Now we use the New Living Translation, it's no longer in print, but both it and the, the first edition and second edition are full um, committee translations with Tyndale Publishing House. Um, New American Standard, King James, NIV, Revised Standard, they're all committee translations. But memorize the Word of God. Um, memorize the Word of God, not something that has been altered to fit a perspective. Okay, and, and I don't mean to, that to sound somehow nefarious. But uh, when, when one person paraphrases something, it, it, it sometimes tends to lean into their, into their, their biases. And, and I'm sure they're trying not to do that, but it's... You know, it's hard to be you and not be you. So, so, okay. Chapter, once a day, 30 days, out loud. How many want to join the adventure? One, two, three. Hands in the air. There we go. There we go. Yeah. My work is done. <laughs> Would you say thank you to, to Rod and Jen for this morning? So good. I'm sorry. Oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. No, my work is not done, but we'll let yeah. that, we'll, we'll, we'll invitation for praying for people yes. as we close up. Yes, we'll have an altar time, okay. yes. Yep.
Hey, the word of God is transformative. It is. Um, it, the word of God changes us. And, and uh, some of you have heard the story too many times, but I was preaching in James and the, the scripture that stood out to me today. And it, it's, it's, it was transformative in my, in my time of, of sabbatical and it was, you know, counted all joy. In every trial, and in the plethora of trials and, and tribulations, uh, because it'll, it'll produce endurance and strength. And I held on to that scripture in a really tough time. Uh, you know, I, first of all, I said, really, Jesus, that's the scripture you're going to end on, you know, right before I go into this mess. But it, it, it transformed me. It changed me.